This podcast is a ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Tennessee. Trinity Baptist Church exists to exalt God in worship, to equip disciples, and to evangelize the lost. For more information about our church, just visit our website at trinity3e.org. I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and open it to the book of James. Once again, James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21 will be our text this morning. As you're turning there, I want to share with you a praise and a word of thank you. Many of you were praying this for me this past week as I had the opportunity to testify before the House Committee of the State Legislature, the House Committee Overseeing Insurance. Um, there is a bill that has been presented called Emma's Bill, which would amend the 10-care law so that in patients who are on a ventilator at night, before funding is reduced based on the hours that they are on the ventilator, the entire condition of the patient will be taken into consideration. Well, the bill had passed subcommittee and was presented before the insurance committee this past Tuesday, and praise God, it passed unanimously. So we're very thankful for that. Representative Rebecca Alexander is the author of the bill, and uh, as we were leaving, she was getting text messages from members of the committee asking to sign on as co-sponsors of the bill. And that's good because as it continues through the House Ways and Means Committee and then eventually to the legislation, legislature itself, the more sponsors shows broad support for the bill. So it's first step in the journey, or actually second, third, fourth, or fifth step. I've lost count of the steps. Uh, but God is at work, so thank you for your prayers and support, and I'll keep you up to date as it continues to continue going through the process. This morning, I draw your attention to verses 19 through 21 here in chapter 1 of James. Hear the word of the Lord. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. Slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. May God be glorified in the reading and hearing of his word this morning. Dr. Ben Carson gained world renown as a neurosurgeon. One of the reasons he gained such a reputation is because in 1987, he was the very first neurosurgeon to successfully perform an operation to separate twins that were co-joined at the head. Both the twins survived, the surgery was a success, and Dr. Carson became world famous. In his book, Take the Risk, though, he confesses very candidly that his medical career almost ended before it ever began. As a young boy, he began having dreams of becoming a doctor. But at the age of 14, those dreams were almost sidelined by an event that revealed a critical character flaw in his life. When he was 14 years old, he was hanging out with a friend of his by the name of Bob. They were listening to the radio, just relaxing, and 
Carson said he was enjoying the song that was being played when Bob reached over and he turned the knob, changing the station, turning the dial, changing the station on the radio. Carson said this irritated him, so he reached over and turned it back. To which Bob then reached over again and changed the dial. In that moment, Carson said something welled up inside of him. Before he realized what he had done, he had reached in his pocket, pulled out the knife he carried, opened it, and lunged at his friend. The only thing that saved a very serious injury is that the blade hit the belt buckle that his friend was wearing. He said Bob looked at Ben with terror in his eyes. Carson said all he could do was sputter the words, I'm, I'm sorry. Then he dropped the knife and ran for home, horrified by what he had just done. Carson said he immediately ran in the house, ran to the bathroom and locked the door and fell down, weeping uncontrollably, realizing that unless he got in control of his temper, he would never go anywhere in life. He found himself praying there. Lord, please, you've got to help me. Take this temper away. You promise that if I ask anything in faith, you'll do it. Lord, I believe that you'll change me. Carson said he slipped out of the bathroom, got a Bible, went back into the bathroom and opened to the book of Proverbs and read Proverbs 16.32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. He was convicted but also found hope. He said he felt God telling him that even though God knew everything about him, that he still loved him, that God had made him and God was the only one who could change him and that he would. He said gradually he stopped crying. His hands quit shaking. And he was filled with assurance that God was going to work to bring about change. Whether we call it having a short fuse being bad-tempered, flying off the handle. Anger has been an issue ever since Cain murdered Abel. Or Moses lost his cool standing in front of the rock at Merah, but instead of speaking to it as God instructed him, he picked up his staff and hit it out of frustration. Anger was apparently an issue in the congregation to whom James was writing. Verse 19 begins a new topic. It's a topic dealing with the issue of anger. James comes back to this issue in chapter 3 when he begins to address the very dangers of the tongue. And then again in chapter 4 when he addresses the issue of fights and quarrels that are happening within the congregation. This new topic dovetails off of what James wrote in verse 18. I draw your attention to it. God brought us forth by the word of truth, that is the gospel. That we, that is believers, should be a kind of first fruit of his creatures. First fruits of his creatures. That means we are the first of the new creation. Church, we are the promise of what is to come. And as such, we are the first that are called by God to put on display the very character qualities of God. Which means being controlled by the Spirit of God. Rather than our anger. Verse 19 begins 
with an emphasis. Know this, my beloved brothers. Be aware of this. Be, be cognizant of it. And it's a, a verb tense that says, know this and keep on knowing it. Repeat it so that it becomes habit in your thinking. What James is about to write is not mere trivia. It's not a fact to be learned and then forgotten. This is a truth that is to become a way of life. Actions that are to be repeated so they become habit. And these actions, three of them, go together because I don't think you can have one without the other. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. This is not the first time these admonitions appear in Scripture. In fact, they are repeated frequently. For example, Proverbs 10, 19, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Proverbs 29, 20. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Proverbs 17, 28. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. I've heard it put like this. It's better to have people think you are a fool than to open your mouth and prove them right. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is well known as a theologian and pastor and one of the leaders in the resistance movement against Hitler. What many don't, are not aware of is that as Hitler's power was increasing and his hold on Germany tightening, Bonhoeffer began an underground seminary to train students who were going into the pastorate. His lectures were put together in a book entitled Life Together. And even though the words that I'm about to share with you from that book are addressed to pastors in training, I believe they're applicable for every believer. Bonhoeffer wrote these words, Christians, especially ministers, so often think they must always contribute something when they are in the company of others. That this is the one service they have to render. They forget that listening can be a greater service than speaking. Many people are looking for an ear that will listen. They do not find it among Christians because these Christians are talking when they should be listening. But he who can no longer listen to his brother will soon be no longer listening to God either. He'll be doing nothing but prattle in the presence of God too. This is the beginning of the death of the spiritual life. And in the end, there is nothing left but spiritual chatter. Be quick to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. I think the first step in learning to listen and being slow to speak is learning not to jump to conclusions. How often have we heard something and we automatically assume that we know everything that is happening. We know the entire story. Then our emotions follow suit as our mind replays over and over again the assumptions about the other person and their actions or their motivations. We need to remind ourselves that frequently, very often, we do not know all the facts. And the second part of this, I think, and this comes, I believe, in the slow to speak part, is learning to ask questions. Because often our tendency is to simply go off on the person. And that rarely, 
if ever, makes things better. Usually it makes things worse. See, the anger that is referred to at the end of verse 19 is the angry outburst. It's the anger that is often described as yell first, ask questions later. Or the type of anger that says, send the email in all caps and then send it quickly. Or in the response section on X or formerly known as Twitter, to respond without thinking. The word for anger there is the punch the wall outburst. It's the anger that drops a bomb that incinerates anyone in range. And it's destructive. Recently read a story that reminded me of the destructive nature of this type of anger. A young man by the name of Steve Tran in California decided to take care of a roach problem in his house. So being creative, he engineered and taped together 25 bug bombs in his apartment. Set them off all at once. When the spray reached the pilot light of the stove, it ignited, blowing his screen door across the street, breaking windows and setting his furniture ablaze. When asked about it, he said, I really wanted to kill all of them. And I thought if I used a lot more, it would last longer. When only two canisters would have done, his blast caused $10,000 worth of damage. And the cockroaches, he said, by Sunday, I saw them walking around again. <laughs> Realize Proverbs 29.11 says, only a fool gives full vent to his anger. The effects of anger are seen all around us. Relationships that are damaged. Anger damages our own well-being. It eats away at us. There's a corrosive nature to anger that even though it feels good for the moment to go off on that other person, it's never healthy. Frederick Buchner says of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontation still to come, to savor to the last tooth a morsel both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back. In many ways, it is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that what you are wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. Anger destroys these outbursts are never productive. Perhaps more than anything as believers, such angry outbursts damage our witness for Jesus. That's why in verse 20, he addresses the, the latter part of verse 19 more in depth. Why should we be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger? For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, the righteousness of God in this verse is not referring to the doctrine of justification. It's talking about to our relationships with others. The righteousness that God desires is to be reflected in our relationships with one another. To show the compassion and the justice of God. Angry outbursts do not make this happen. And as I said earlier, this applies to online discourse always so, also. What we type or how we respond in the comments section should reflect our relationship with Jesus. 
We, above all, cannot adopt an end justifies the means approach and end up sacrificing Christ-like character and our witness in the process. The Christian life was not meant to be divided in such a way where we say, well, well, I have this part of my life and this part of my life, so over here, anger is justified. Following Jesus is about all of our life and all of our relationships. So what are we to do? How can we become quick to speak, slow to anger? How can we learn how to listen? Well, verse 25 picks up here. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. To achieve what is written in verse 19, we have to begin with a commitment, a serious commitment to change. What we'll look at next week, James will remind us that this commitment is not just to be in thought only, but as doers of the word. The language that is found in verse 21 speaks of this action. Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. That word for put away is the language of taking off a cloak, taking off a, a jacket as it were. It's words that are used frequently throughout the New Testament to put away coarse talk, to put away jesting, to put away all sexual immorality. The seriousness of this is shown when he says put away all filthiness and rampant Will wickedness. In many ways, it seems like overkill. It seems like taping together 25 roach bombs when he says filthiness and rampant wickedness in the sense of dealing with anger. Filthiness means vulgarity. Moral imperfections. Rampant wickedness is no better because it refers to depravity. It means perverting Virtue and moral principle for the purpose of evil ends. It means taking what is good and using it for evil. And it's interesting, isn't it, that angry outbursts are included with filthiness and rampant wickedness? Because surely we say it's, it's not that bad. It's just the way that I'm wired. It can't be that bad. We don't like to think of a bad temper in such terms. The scripture doesn't let it off, us off so easy. Outburst of anger is a work of the flesh. In the sin nature. I want you to take for just a moment and work, look through these three verses with me. Where Paul describes the work of the flesh. And the flesh is the sin nature. All right, Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, sexual sin. Yes, we'd say that's of the flesh. Idolatry, sorcery. Yes, those deal with, with spiritual issues, trying to manipulate be, spiritual beings to our own end and the false worship of God. But now it gets really interesting. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. Fits of anger are lumped in the same category as sexual immorality, drunkenness, and orgies. It's serious business. Nothing that we can just glibly say, well, that's just the way that, that, that we are. What other sins do we do that with? Do we say to the person who murders, well, he's just a murderer. That's just the way that he is. He's just quick-tempered. Where the scripture tells us that these are things that we are to put 
So it has to begin with a conscious effort to say, Lord, I need a change in character so I don't fly off the handle. But when we are told to put away something, to take it off, we are also instructed to put something else on. For if we are not seeking to remove a negative vice, which, by the way, there are no positive vice, just for clarification, If we are seeking to remove a vice, it needs to be replaced with a virtue. So what does he say here? And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now the implanted word is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Once again, this is a reminder that the gospel is not just about when we get to heaven. It's about change and transformation now because it has been implanted in our lives. And it's to bear fruit. Verse 21 is about the gospel bearing fruit in our lives. When he says, which is able to save your souls... He's not saying that if you do this, then you will be saved because that's of works. We are already saved by receiving the gospel. Here he's talking about the experience of salvation in our being, in our souls, as the gospel works to bring about change. That's why he says, with meekness, power under control. In this sense, I believe that meekness is being used synonymously with humility. To bow ourselves before the gospel of Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I have a bad temper. Lord, I do the opposite. I'm slow to hear, quick to speak, and quick to be mad. Change me, oh God. Change me. Confession is the beginning of change. Leroy Ems is known as being one who is proficient at making disciples, the Lord that we all would be. In his book, The Lost Art of Disciple Making, Ems talks about this process. He says that as a new Christian, he was challenged to apply his weekly Bible study personally. He was working through Colossians and he came across this verse, Colossians 3.8. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, Malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. M said he tried to slide past it, but he kept coming back to the words, get rid of anger. M's very candidly admits that he had a violent temper. Whenever it flared up, he writes, I'd haul up and bash my fist into the nearest door. And even though it often bloodied my knuckles and once completely smashed a beautiful diamond and onyx ring my wife had given me, I couldn't stop. Yet here was God's word saying, get rid of the anger. This wasn't advice given to the people at Colossae centuries ago. It was God speaking to me, Em's writes, right then and there. So what did Ems do about it? He said he made a covenant with God. He promised him that he was going to work on it. And his first step was this. Memorize the verse and review it daily. So where do we start? We start with admitting, Lord, I have a sin problem in my life with anger. Lord, forgive me and change me. Second step, look at the scripture. Maybe some that we just read early in Proverbs. Maybe James 1, 19 through 21. And get the word in our heart. It's implanted there. It's a seed that needs to be allowed to grow. 
The second thing he did was he asked his wife to pray for him and remind him of this verse daily. Accountability. This may be the hardest part for most of us. Because what we've spoken of now can be done privately. We can confess it to the Lord privately. We can begin to, to, to memorize Scripture privately. But when we step outside and actually talk with another person and say those words, I have a problem. I think you'll find healing will really start to occur as we bring darkness into the light. And know there are others praying for us. The beautiful part of this is the promise. It's able to save our souls. Now remember, this is not talking about salvation in justification sense, but salvation in sanctification. Every sin destroys. The wages of sin is death. I believe that is not only speaking of eternal death in hell, but here and now, the effects, the consequences of any sin kills us. Relationally, spiritually, kills our witness. So are we willing to change? To confess? To memorize? Focus on? And to ask others to help us? Are we willing? Do you know medical studies have revealed just how difficult it is for people to change? To get out of our habits? Roughly 600,000 people in America have bypass surgeries done each year on their hearts. They probably, 95% of them are told they have to change their lifestyle. The heart bypass is just a temporary fix. They have to change their diet, quit smoking and drinking, and exercise and reduce stress. In essence, the doctors say, change or die. I think that would grab people's attention. But what research has shown is that 90% of heart patients do not change a thing. They remain the same. Follow-up studies indicate that after two years of heart surgery, patients that have not altered or changed their behavior soon fall into more disease. Change is challenging. But we have a God who overcomes any challenge. So this morning I ask us to take to heart what James has written. Be quick to hear. Slow to speak slow to anger. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, your word is truth and it certainly hits home with us. Because Father, I recognize that there's not a one of us that can really claim being innocent that at some point in life we have all lost our tempers said things we wish we could take back or acted in ways that we wish we could change. So, Father, this morning your words are the medicine that we need to hear. So we ask you to apply it. To help us, Father. Work within us so that we will show the character of the Lord Jesus in all of our interactions. Help us to do these three things, O oh Lord.
to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Grant this, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.